Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And on this episode, we are joined uh, by one batch, two batch uh, co-host Maria. How's it going? Hi, good, good, good. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Um, the so uh, the first uh, the question that we like to ask people when they uh, uh, are on the show for the first time uh, is, "What is your background in horror? Like, what was the what was the thing that got you into it? What's your what's your relationship with horror?" Uh. It's funny because I have no relationship with horror. Well, it depends. Um, I think mm-hmm. my first glimpse of it was Scream. Nice. Uh, I think that was the first horror movie I really wasn't scared of and that I just really was like, I love it. Well, because it, it's, it, it's cool, right? Because like, like you've got like sort of like snappy teens with the Kevin Williamson dialogue. Yeah. And like watching it back now, I'm just like, holy shit. This is just like what what the fuck's happening? And then you see like <laughs> I used to have a crush on like Billy for two seconds, and then I'm like my brain is processing that he's a real fucking psycho, and maybe not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, like Skeet, Skeet Ulrich, um, he is on uh, Riverdale, Riverdale as Jughead's dad. Yeah, and he I always think of him as the sort of um, the bad '90s boyfriend. Yes. Like, oh he... my god. Yes. Yeah, like he was in the he was in the craft as for a bad oh, ex boyfriend, yes. and he's yeah he's great. I okay, I've never, I've oh, I think growing up I was ashamed having a crush on him because he was psycho, and it's like maybe oh, sure. I shouldn't. But then like as soon as I keep watching, it's like you just have a lovely face to look at, and you're doing such does. a great job of being the world's biggest dick. Yeah, yeah. You know what I think it is? It's those big brown eyes. You know, yes. it's just oh it, lord, it's, yes. Yeah, and then in the nineties, he had that haircut that like every hunk had in the nineties. So it's oh that like little yeah. like f- not flop, but it's just like that weird poof hair. I yeah. I called it the Johnny Depp hair because that's what it looked like, and that's who he kind of looked <laughs> like before. And I I don't I I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Well, also because the other dudes in that movie, it's like what Matthew Lillard and yeah, Jamie Matthew Kennedy. Lillard, no, yeah. obviously, yeah. Yeah, Skeet Ulrich is, is the hottest we're going to get in, oh, yeah. in Scream. But I think I now that growing up, like, having to watching Scream again, like, I love the dynamic between, uh, what was his name? Matthew Lillard's character and, and Skeet's Oh, character. Stu. Stu, yeah. And, like, Stu and Billy were just a match made in psycho heaven. Well, those two are in love with each other, yeah. oh, I think. Oh, no. I mean, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, every time... And, and it's funny because, like, I, I kind of picked up on it when I was a kid watching Scream, but, like, later um, I, we were... Uh, I was watching Scream with a bunch of people a couple of months ago, and during the the, the reveal, when like actually we're both the killer lol, like they're just like yeah. leaning on each other and 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 being really like, handsy really and it's touchy, like really touchy feely and like not really giving a shit, and then yeah, you yeah. just like right on. But I would not <laughs> like to see you in the back of an alley. <laughs> Absolutely not. But also because this is like peak Matthew Lillard, right? Yes. Like this is I think what just after Hackers or just before Hackers. It might be. Um, Hackers probably yeah. I think it was like no, I think it was after Hackers. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Hackers was yeah because Angelina Jolie was yeah anyway yeah. Hackers. Um, so what uh, what ghoul shit have you been uh, up to this week? Ghoul shit. Um, I actually got free two months of shutter and then i realized that they have the creep show show on there oh hell yeah so now i'm just like i have to give that a try because honestly every time i mention creep show people are so surprised that it's like wait you out of all people watch creep show because me and horror do not mix well like i get yeah, nightmares so... easily but it's just, oh yeah i think i just like short stories that have so much in it in just a certain amount of time yeah, and yeah, they give and I, you yeah. everything without missing a beat, even if it's for like a five-minute clip. And so I love things like that. Oh yeah, well, and I feel like especially for horror, like I feel like horror has the corner on the market for anthologies because yeah. like it makes total sense with horror because you know it's just you know you can do it in fifteen minutes. They don't really have like a collection of like, fifteen-minute rom-com shorts or like fifteen-minute no. none. It's you know horror is it it works as like a perfect little like pizza bite yeah horror has a way of showing so much in like just a little like just a little time and they can it you're not in a weird way like you're not hungry afterwards you just got that fill <laughs> exactly yeah it's calorically dense uh and i like cuz the creep show tv show like that first episode was uh the 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 one that killed me was the um who was like the guy that played jigsaw plays a cop and it's like this guy's what? dad 
is uh, sort of he's like he's he's an alcoholic, but more than the alcoholism thing, it's like, oh, he's being taken over by an alien swamp entity. And it's just, it's great. Like, it's exactly what you would want out of the creep show, oh, TV show. Yeah, because I, I saw that they had, like, a little Easter egg. I was following a little bit of the Twitter because, like, I, I was like, I'm going to watch it, but I always want the time, and then I just keep watching something else. But there was a, a Ted Danson um, Easter egg during one of the episodes. Oh, excellent, because he, he was in the creep show movie. Yeah, because I think there was, yeah. um, I don't remember what episode they mentioned on, but there's, like, a TV on a stand and it's his head in the tv oh which is amazing because he that was he his head was buried in the sand on a tv in in the segment with him and leslie nielsen you know what's so funny i have this fear of water and so seeing him like submerged in the sand and like the water come in like the tide come in it i was like starting to panic but that's one of my favorite stories in that movie Oh, it's amazing. That, I, I don't know if yeah. um, that and are, are you familiar uh, with the uh, behind the scenes thing with Leslie Nielsen and the fart machine? No. So Leslie Nielsen, who was a fucking national treasure, uh, apparently he um, he was like perfect. He was like a, a, a huge like he was he was really good at playing sort of straight faced characters. Yes. And <laughs> in real life, he had he had this little um, fart machine that he would keep tucked in his uh, uh, outfit that when you press it, it would make a fart noise. And apparently. Just like when he was filming Creep Show um, and doing scenes with uh, with Ted Danson, right before uh, uh, George Romero was like action, he would press the fart button, and then Ted Danson would have to try to keep a straight face. Oh my god! Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a lot. I I miss Leslie Nielsen every day. Oh my god, he was a fucking gem of a man. Oh my god. Honestly, can you just imagine but yeah. like I have to do hard, but you know what? Let me just slip this in my pocket real quick. Well, and and it's great because he he does that like chilling performance in the movie. He, is the guy who's yes. just yeah. Because I'm so used to, growing up, I'm so used to comedies, just Leslie comedy, yeah. and then seeing that, I'm like, this is a whole different side, and I'm not yeah. sure how to feel about this, but this is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait, you're you're the guy from Naked Gun. Yes! Why are you being so scary? It's like, um, why are you so serious? Like, why? Like, as a kid, I was like, why is he not laughing? Like, what what's going on? Like, I'm not used to this. Like, this is not. Yeah, yeah. What? It's oh my god. Honestly, the the Creep Show TV series. I I don't know. I, I'm realizing how much we've all been kind of like wanting uh, a Tales from the Crypt sort of adjacent show not me, right though. now. That's not just me though, but not oh me. no, not you. Not me, so wait, so for, so for you with horror is is your is your aversion uh, is your usual aversion to horror uh, that you that you scare easily or like you don't care for a lot of horror? Like what's what's the what's the bottleneck for you? Um, honestly, I guess it has to get me in a way. Like I I like a story mm-hmm. in horror. Yeah, I can't just have like people getting their throats slit just for like, hey, look, blood. It's like I I need a reason for blood. I need yeah. a reason why this dude's getting his guts ripped out. If not, right? Because otherwise, just, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter, and I get skeeved out easily. Because mm-hmm. I remember, because uh, like I said, Scream has to have something. Psycho is a story that you know it's like, what the fuck is happening? And then oh, American Psycho. Is so Psycho um, I still have yet to see Candyman, but I know there's a huge story behind Candyman that I know is going to scare the shit out of me, but that's... You've explained the, the concept to the uh, movie to me before, and I'm like, alright, see, that's that's what gets me into watching horror. I need something mm-hmm. solid for me to not get really freaked out or skeeved out on why these, like, crazy shit's happening. Absolutely, and, and actually... And, and actually, that's a, that's a good segue into... Um, so the thing we're talking about on uh, this here episode... Um, is the Mindhunter uh, TV series on Netflix, which has had, what, two seasons now? Two seasons, yes. I think it didn't it take like two years for the second season to come out or something like that? Yeah, I think so. And it's, so um, the show is a David Fincher joint. And uh, he, yeah, I don't I, think he, I don't think he directs every episode, but he directs a bunch of them. But do you know what's funny? Um, I didn't know that he directed it because I literally just jumped into the show because the second season came out. Like, I didn't know oh, he had anything like, to do with it. I, I had no idea, no information, no nothing about Mindhunter. I just jumped into it because I was like, second oh, season man. came out, so why not? And then I saw his name. I was like, no fucking wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so for you, like, what was, okay, so what was your first uh, impression of Mindhunter? Like, like you, you knew that it was going to be a true crime show. Like, were, were, did you have misgivings about it at first? Or was it like, all right, I'll do this? Uh, it was just more, all right, I'll do this, but I didn't think it was going to get real fucking heavy in, like, the first two episodes. 
Yeah. 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 That opening, the opening scene of the first episode, I was watching it with my mom and we screamed so loud. Like we weren't expecting Homeboy to be like, all right, shotgun. And then what? Oh, oh, because yeah. So the first episode opens with a a hostage situation where there's a a guy sort of having a a, a face off with the cops and then they call in uh, Golden Boy James Holden. Who is uh, played by Jonathan Groff? Who, uh, did, the guy who the... does a, f- a fucking phenomenal job with the having, like, yeah. you know, the job he's supposed to be given. It's just, dude was amazing. Well, yeah, it's a, and so he, yeah, this guy comes on the scene and he's, you know, he sort of looks like a fresh faced altar boy. You know, he he looks like he eats all of his wheaties. Yeah, and you know, he shows up to to defuse this hostage situation. And the guy just decides to, like, you know what? Actually, no, we're done here. And he just blows his own head off. Like, he was um, very close on closing everything. He had he had said the right things. He had mentioned mm-hmm. everything. Like, you know, I want my wife. You know, she's on her way. Just, you know, talk to us for a bit. Help, you know, let right. these people out. Like, he was doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden, it was just a snap. Like, the guy was just like, nah, never mind. Deuces. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, like, it flew completely in the face of everything that James knew about sort of hostage negotiation and de-escalation. And so... Um, so for the, for those of uh, those of our listeners who might not have seen Mindhunter, the 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 plot of the show is that it's a fictionalized uh, dramatization of a real life thing that happened, yeah. which was the development of the um, psych- psychological sort of study in the FBI of how to uh, profile, track, and catch serial killers. Because basically, in the um, sort of the mid to late twentieth century, people kind of didn't know what the fuck was going on anymore with killings because prior to that it was like you know if 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 somebody robbed a place and shot someone or whatever like that made sense but somebody just abducting abducting and killing 20 people pretty crazy can you just like think about that for a second that no one knew what the hell to be like why is this like you know so much killings like what's going on and then like having I mean, them process yeah. so, like they're a serial killer it's just that yeah. whole thing, like when you think about it, it's like you know, why is there a reason? And then you just don't know. But then, right? How do, like, how do I explain? It? Like, oh, they, like they understand a killing, like you said, a, a robbery. Oh, okay, because the dude just wanted money. You know, someone was in their right. way. But then, like, made sense. Yeah, and it's, so it's. I find it so weird and funny because now it's like, oh, it's a serial killer, and then now we have all this like information on how to label it, how to catch, mm-hmm. how this guy's gonna move, how he's gonna do that, and then having them not know what the hell's happening and just like you know shrugging their shoulders like, yeah. I guess, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's Here also. I, I feel like I feel like serial killers only make sense to us now because they've been a thing for such a long time. Like yeah. we we know about serial killers because we already know about them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like, like oh, that's old killer. hat. Yeah, I know just, about no. I I know about people who abduct and kill dozens of people. Like you know, we've we've seen like, it all before. Um, but yeah, exactly. like and, and so Holden and and so Holden developing. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Like I I can't even imagine it being like you know the mid seventies and I'm in New York City or something and I've got a kid and all of a sudden there's like the son of Sam murders happening in the city and it's just like. All right. Well, we don't know why this is happening or why everything is terrifying, yeah. but every everybody's dying. And uh, all right, I go guess. about your day. I guess. I guess you know, like they don't think about it having a pattern. It's just like it's just people are just fucking dropping like flies. I guess. Right. So, welcome to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to New York. Here's your uh, complimentary murder. Um, well, and the yes. thing is, you know, in the show, like James is trying to, you know, sort of get the rest of the FBI on board with you know, developing a system to learn about this. And so he yeah. uh, hooks up with a guy called Bill Tench. Homeboy. And, yeah, home, yeah, God, he's he's the fucking greatest. He, uh, Bill he Tench, really is. Yeah, built, built like a brick shithouse, face like a bulldog, beautiful eyes, just has... <laughs> and and what, what's amazing about... Now, all right, so the thing that I love about their dynamic is that sort of at the outset, he's positioned as the kind of gruff, you know, take no shit, sort of brass tacks guy. Yep. Um, and... You know, Holden is the sort of, yeah, he's like a loose cannon, but he's got way too many feelings. And then as the show goes on, you realize, actually, Bill Tench has the most feelings. Yeah, it's it's very much the opposite. Because when you have um, Holden start, he's like very uh, stone-faced. He like doesn't really show mm-hmm. emotions. And if someone kind of shows emotions in return, like any type of like, I don't know, someone trying to like giggle at him, he's like, uh... Yeah, cool. kind of doesn't know what. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of doesn't know what to do with it. Still, and then still, they, because I guess to him being FBI, it's like my mindset needs to be like serious. Like I can't yeah. fuck well, around. I, you know, cool, you're laughing, but that's not. 
that's no, that's not what I'm here for. Right, right. And also because, you know, when they when Holden starts trying to um, interview people, um, he now he like goes to this university to try to talk to, you know, like this one guy. And it's sort of like, look, everybody here knows you're a fucking fed. Nobody wants to deal with you. Also, this is the late 1970s. Yeah. Uh, the, the political climate right now, it's not, it's not great. And so, um, they also, uh, the, uh, there's an academic named Wendy who is a lesbian icon, uh, be probably the best character on the show. Um, yeah, my wife, uh, she, she joins up with them and she, you know, sort of adds. And so she's like sort of the middle ground between, uh, Bill Ten, she was doing like the beat cop thing of being the sort of you know work you know, the the sort of every man you know bulldog. Yeah, like and she evens James them H- out a lot. Yeah, yeah, and she's God. She's just fucking magnificent. Also, I keep remembering that she is not played by Kate Blanchett. Okay, that's uh, who I thought it was the first time, and then yeah. I had to look her up, and I was I was so tripped out that oh, you guys are twins. They uh, work together to interview uh, serial killers to kind of you know try to get into their heads, or not exactly get into their heads, but like their motive was mostly to kind of not sympathize with them but just to speak in their own language to be like bro but i mean come on like you know you could tell me it's fine don't worry about it so they could just like get that confidence yeah and then actually like start saying things that they shouldn't say they know they shouldn't say but that's what i liked about that show when you really think about serial killers when you read them before anything like how they actually start confessing to some things and you're wondering like Mm-hmm. how are you actually talking like are you just giving up because you're caught or you're just like ah fuck it i'll, I'll just brag and then when you see how holden works mm-hmm. and um tench works with them the way they speak like the manners they use the like body language they use the actual language they use and then they're like oh, they kind man, of they yeah. kind of get like all trusty like oh okay so you're that type of guy too huh and it's just Oh, oh, man. Shit. Well, and there's such... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's... um. So, uh, Cameron Britton, who plays uh, Ed Kemper, um, who... Okay, listen, listen. Yeah. I, I yep. did not know much about Ed Kemper while watching this, and I looked him up, and then having this guy, who I recognized immediately from the Umbrella Academy, I had a little fit, mm-hmm. did such an eerie amazing job doing ed kemper yeah honestly ev- I, I guess the, the the actors on this show that that play serial killers i i don't know how they find the actors to play the serial killers on the show because like he's perfect having him like like his body language mm-hmm. and just talking about everything i was like oh stop it well, and, and it's great because um i mean like ed kemper you know like when they're when they're talking with him you know he's like he's a very nice serial killer and he you know he's he he likes to talk like this and he's you know but yeah ed kemper like his his body language and this guy is a fucking he's a ham hock he is a big tall man he's a hoss like this yeah yeah because that whole situation between holden and kemper I think was probably mm-hmm. the best thing I've seen in a long time. Because I think he, because him and Kemper were the only ones that really spoke often. Than yeah, the well, and, and also with, with Ed Kemper, I the amazing thing about it, now obviously they, you know, starting starting the show out, uh, he in real life is a guy that like was a, what, what the co-ed killer? And he, you know, killed... Yeah, yeah, killed a bunch of uh, young women killer, and then yeah. also decapitated his own mom and it was a whole thing. Um but you know, they're interviewing yeah, yeah, but they're they're interviewing about, it, you yeah, know, it's... what he what he done. And Ed Kemper um this is my favorite thing actually about the show is listening to Ed Kemper talk shit about other serial killers. Like I love the idea of all of them just sitting, you know, yes! like in, in season yes! two, uh, Ed Kemper, you know, Char- Charles Manson makes an appearance. And obviously Charles Manson is not an actual serial killer in that he himself never actually did those. Um, but you, you get this great bit of Ed yeah. Kemper talking shit about him where he's like, you know, you know, Char- Char- Charlie takes a shit around here. Everybody knows about it. Or he has somebody else do it for him. And it's just like, I love the idea of serial killers just being petty bitches. Like, yes, that's. What do you say? Oh, so the good. most hilarious thing ever. And it's so good. I, when he was saying that, I just started laughing. Like in Spanish, I'm like, "What a chismosa!" <laughs> <laughs> Trying to start shit with another serial killer. It's, it's fucking when great. He, knows he ain't gonna do shit. Yeah, yeah. and and like Ed Kemper is like the he's like the monster heel of Mindhunter because yes! yeah, he's like what six foot eight, <laughs> just wide as he is tall. 
Um, and at the end of the now, uh, in, in the first season, there's a really fucking cool, awful progression of his relationship with Holden, because yes. as Holden's uh, mental state starts to deteriorate, because uh, as it turns out, um, interviewing serial killers and uh, talking with them all the time and hearing about the things all they've the done. All the time? Maybe not great for your brain. No. And I, my thing was, I felt that he got a little too close to Kemper and they were kind of like, not comparing each other, but they were kind of like beginning to be on the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. And that's something you shouldn't be with a serial killer. It's not ideal. Like, yeah. No. And then the worst part having. Kemper, like, telling the hospital that Holden was his emergency contact after he tried to kill oh, himself. Oh, man. Which, honestly, leads up to one of my favorite ever um, season uh, finales, which is uh, season one. Um, by the end of the season, um, Holden is, like, falling apart at the seams. Like, he, in, in, in between yeah. his mental state deteriorating as a result of the work, but also, he's becoming a bit of a dick. Like... Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, like... Because we, we, we first get him being, like I said, like, no emotions whatsoever to, like, oh, shit, things are happening. And then back to, like, I really don't give a shit anymore. So, like... Yeah, yeah. And, like, and he doesn't give a, give a shit anymore, uh, give a shit anymore about what the rest of the FBI thinks about what he's doing or his coworkers. No. And his thing is, like, yeah, sure, like, I, you know, I had things redacted from my transcripts with him because I said horrifying things that I knew would get them you, talking. You said, yeah. I think that that was, like... Not a downfall, but that was one of the moments that it was like, Holden, stop. Yeah, yeah. And when Wendy and Tench are both like, buddy, you sure about this? Yeah. Like When they were listening to the tapes, like, excuse me. It's like, we could just redact it. They won't know. And it's like, what do you mean they won't know? This is, first of all, this is your job on the line. (laughs) Yeah. And you're saying this god awful thing just to have someone talk to you. I understand you're trying to have a way to work things Mm -hmm. out. But this is not. Just know that you're getting these transcripts, and you have to give them the recording. Yeah. And this is, buddy, <laughs> that's a line. Yeah, it's a lot. And so yeah, and 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 at the end of season one, um, I think it's one of my favorite uh, finale moments is that, uh, Holden uh goes to visit Ed Kemper after Ed Kemper uh, attempts suicide, and Ed Kemper. This is some of now what I love about this show. It is not gory in any way. No, it's it not. Is, which I'm actually thankful yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> like, obviously, it's deeply fucking upsetting, and there's, like, descriptions of... No, no, it is. The I think them describing how things happened and, like, what age range and all that mm-hmm. stuff is more upsetting than actually really seeing what actually happened. For sure, yeah. And also the fact that, like, you know, they, they don't... It, it kind of makes me think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the fact that... There's no actual gore in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, they, the blood, like, if you never actually see a chainsaw connecting with a body, like, it's, it's, it, it manages. It's a lot of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they put a bucket underneath um, a girl, you know, hanging from a, a meat hook by the wrists, but they don't actually show blood dripping into it, but you see the bucket. So you're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on there. Um, yeah, your, your brain is already processing, oh shit, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I know, and I know exactly what's going to be falling into that bucket. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mindhunter, like, it's people talking in little rooms. Like, it, you never yeah. actually uh see any any murder happening it's not not really a lot of action happening but it's just definitely you know it's on a very very micro scale and so at the very end he goes and visits ed kemper and ed stands up out of the hospital bed oh my god this is some of the most terrifying physical acting i have ever seen i've never felt so nervous of someone standing up before and then him just towering over him but I, i think what made it like worse was that he wasn't threatening him in a way mm-hmm. he, was yeah. just, he was just talking to him like a normal human being but you have this huge dude knowing what he's done mm-hmm. and what he's done to these people now dead and then having him like thanks for coming to see me or like some shit like that just like, no well, yeah well, well and, and what's great about it is I, I feel like he does where, where he sort of you can he, he even says like you know I'm, I was you know I'm debating on killing you like he, there's an implicit threat when he places like when he yeah. goes in for a hug for a with hug? Holden oh that hug oh oh, my God. oh man that hug it is I, I, I staring at my I had to pause it and then I was just he hugged him 
Yeah. Like, and, my and... brain was not processing that this dude just hugged him. And I'm like, do you not see how far you went? Yeah. And, and how and... much this is not good for you? Yeah. And like a six foot eight serial killer who like brutally decapitated his own mother and killed yes. dozens of people. Like, yeah, the, I, that to me is there's an implicit threat in that where he's just like, you know, he knows very well that his physical proximity is threatening to Holden. Yes. He knows he's fully aware of how tall he is and how strong he is. And when he gets up and comes over to Holden in a flash, mm-hmm. you see that that's, you know, and this is after the, the, the whole episode, Holden's been sort of like up his own asshole with like, yeah, I may be unorthodox, but God damn it, I get results. And you just don't understand, yes. man. And then you're actually fucking out of your depth in this. Like you way, need. Way, way out of. This was a yeah. wake up call. Like I need to back up just yeah. a smidge. And at the very least, like, listen to your coworkers who care yeah. about you. Like, if, I don't know, like, I feel like if both of your coworkers are, I mean, and, and I like that the show, I don't feel like it takes uh, a moralistic stance about uh, Holden saying the shit that he says to prompt serial killers to talk. Like, I think it does in that moment get results, but also there's a toll. Like, I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't think we need David Fincher to, like, turn the camera around to himself and say... What, jo- what Holden is doing is wrong and unethical, and he shouldn't do it. But, like, you can sort of infer through, you know, the effect that, the effect that it has on Holden yeah. and on, you know, Tension Wendy that, like, yeah, this is dirty, dirty work. And they're, no, you know, and, and they're, you know, making it up as they go along, basically. Yeah, because I think during the whole him talking to the first season, talking to all the serial killers, he's not noticing himself change in what, like, how he's interviewing these people and how he's acting towards these people and it's not so much he has like compassion and empathy but he's just like as if he's shooting the shit yeah with them. and well, it's he's yeah. not realizing that this is kind of messing his himself up mentally because he's trying to he's getting down to their level and he's getting super comfortable with it and then at the end of the first season like that last episode was realized he got too close for comfort and it it broke. Yeah. It, the dam broke. Yeah. You can only put so much weight on it. And also, like, I, there's another relationship that I really, really love in season one, which is the relationship between Holden and his girlfriend, Debbie, uh, who's played by Hannah Gross. And, like, this relationship, it's awesome. amazing because at the... Vi- Oh, I love Debbie. Um, but at the outset, at, at the outset of the show, you know, like Holden is, uh, f- you know, he's he's an FBI agent who's just basically started. Uh, previously, he was a narc, so like fuck Holden. But like previously, like his job was to sort of tur- turn in, you know, deserters. And so she meets him at a club, and he, you know, they they have. Which, by the way, the dynamic between these two is so fucking good. Yeah. Like Big their time. their chemistry in that. Oh my god! In that first bar scene when they're talking, like it, it's so good and playful and acerbic, and you can tell that they're both like sort of testing each other out and saying like, "All right, yep. can you, you know?" And and so, um, she is, you know, a, a, a young college student who's and and this is a you know sort of um the this is in the seventies, so she's you know sort of um a, a, a liberated you know seventies lady, and he's yep. a, a stuffy FBI guy, and so. But they both appreciate about each other that he's like, he loves that she's so blunt with him and she loves this like earnest weirdness about him. Yes. They, they, like it's opposites of track. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. But they, they, they're kind of like very compatible because they both like to test each other and. Yeah. It, it, good results. Yeah. And well, and, and honestly, like it's one of, um, watching their relationship as it develops in the season, like. It's great, and then the job starts slowly turning Holden into a dick because he, you know, because he's yeah. been, you know, dealing with what he deals with all day. And it's it's also sort of he's on the road all the time. He's away from her. She's working on her thesis. He's, like, up to his taint in blood from noon until night. Uh, and Yeah, and, you know, he's forgetting how to actually function like yeah. a normal, well, oh, normal, sure. quote-unquote, but uh, an actual, like, person in a relationship yeah. with somebody like he, he who, stops being a decent partner so i think like they're not yeah yeah um, exactly and that was like the worst thing to see too because i that when when they were mm-hmm. like breaking up she was waiting outside and, was, and like he just analyzed 
everything about that situation right there. He goes, you only have one cup there, and you're offering me wine, so that means you don't want me to stay. And you're in, and you're outside, not inside me, and you don't want me to be inside. So, like, are we done or what? And I'm like, right. Well, and, and that Honestly, that scene is so incredible to me because now I've, I've seen season one uh, twice. The first time, I didn't notice this. The second time I watched it, I, I noticed... I don't. I I think it's genuinely up in the air about whether she wanted to break up with him. I think sh- she wasn't sure herself. Yeah, I don't. I don't. No, I think she just wanted to talk, but he was just so mm. up his own ass about the work he was doing and just not taking in consideration of how she might feel about what's happening between them. So he just thought, "Hey, I'll just do it for you. We're done, right? <sighs> All right, I'm gonna get my stuff. Yeah, dude. I'll see you later." And it's just like, no, you couldn't just sit down and talk yeah. to her for two seconds. But no, he had to analyze yeah, yeah. the whole thing, make her feel like an asshole. And I'm like, no, she just a simple conversation. Yeah, yeah, up. exactly. Like he's, you know, he's doing the Sherlock thing of, um, he, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that the first thing I thought too. Yeah, because like, he clearly doesn't want to have the conversation about you know the actual relationship, so he defaults to what he does all day, which is look at people and like discern things about them. So he basically like he weaponizes in this relationship his own like the yeah. the the things that have happened to him at work. So he he takes the, the skills that he's learned doing this job to you know sort of you know do the Sherlock routine and and then goes so you're going to break up with me right and she's like am i and when she says am i yeah she didn't give him a definite answer yeah was she was just, just like... i mean at this point their relationship is on the ropes and she's trying to figure it out just as much as he is and then he just sort of he makes that yeah. call for her basically where he's just like all right you know what yeah we're done because you want it to be done so we're done and it's like uh holden that's yeah. not because it probably was just easier. It's like, all right, my, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't want this conversation. I'm tired. I just got here. All right, no. I'm like that's not. That's not that's, how it no, works. No, he's extremely bad. Now the thing is also Bill Tench. Um, his marriage is also. It is Oof. a. It is a. Now, as as you might have guessed from a show about people studying serial killers from David Lynch, people who study serial killers not uh. in terrifically happy relationships. In in the show. Not really. I mean, okay, they weren't they weren't too yeah. bad at first. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And then their their son just started acting. Well, okay. So and and now this is a thing that I'm not totally sold on as a plot device, but I would love to talk about. So Bill Bill Tench and uh his wife, they they have uh an adopted kid who is largely nonverbal. Um and he's just he's just a quiet kid and he doesn't really talk. Uh and in season 2, he sort of becomes involved in the killing of another child um because like this kid was already dead and then he's like we should crucify him because then that's how we'll bring him back to life because he's a kid and he doesn't know how things work yeah i I think that analogy fucked. yeah how they just put him on a cross because that's how jesus came back and i'm like yeah it's it's a lot which i don't you know, I'm 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 glad that he saw that and not like Frankenstein or something like. No, we'll just run thirty thousand volts of fucking electricity through this baby and he'll be he'll be good as he'll be good he'll be good it's as alive. Um, but and and so I don't know if I I almost feel like that plot line it's it's a little too convenient for me with your dad studies serial killers all day and now he has on his hands maybe I a think virgin so serial too. killer because that that actually yeah because that actually happened though didn't it that was actually oh shit an did that happen case I think. Yeah, that was an actual case, Whoa. and so they were like, "Hey, let's just." I think they just fictionized it for, um, for uh, Trench's kid. Yeah, but there, there, yeah, there was somebody, there was somebody profiling like, yeah. serial killers who whose kid turned out to be a serial killer. Yeah, like that was an actual thing. Like the kid was crucified and everything. Jesus. I think those actual articles. I was looking it up because a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, this sounds familiar," and I'm like, "This kind of dude, that's fucking familiar. wild." But I did, yeah. Can you imagine, oh though, like, having your... And I think it was, like, it was almost worse for her because it was in a house that she yeah. was selling. And it was in the basement of that house. And it wasn't like she couldn't run from it because it's like, who else has access to the house? Right, and then obviously... Who knows where that key is? And it's like, my son mm-hmm. goes there from time to time. Well, and also, you know, uh, uh, the neighbors are not big fans of the Tench clan at this point because, you know, no. he's, like, Damien from The Omen. And... He kind of looks like the kid. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, though. right? Like, which is like uh, the sulking <laughs> eyes and the blue eyes. And I'm just like, yeah, ah! it's... 
You're just missing that weird Fuck. bowl haircut. Fuck, and then, man. Oh, yeah, it's, no. it's, it's a ah, lot. But no. I, I, honestly, uh, Tench sort of, th- there is the thing of he, um, his kid did find some crime scene photos that Tench had brought home with him. Yeah. Because it's an illustration of, like, what, can you leave this work at the office? And you really, really can't. Like, I, if, if this is the work you're going to do, like, there there's a definite cost. And... Yeah, there's yeah, there's there, but there should be a line between what you can take home and what you shouldn't take. Yeah, home. and that was probably one of the things he should not have taken home. Yeah, not that I'm blaming him for what he does, but he also has to take in consideration that he has like a eight year old kid there who's not you not know, doing good, likes to sneak in things. Yeah, yeah, and so him finding that is kind of like. Yeah, well, and and honestly, though, there, there's a moment of tenderness in season one that I really, really like between uh, Tench and his wife, where um, yeah. they, they come home from going on a date, they got a babysitter for Damien from The Omen, and um, <laughs> the, the kid found the crime scene photos and was just like, it's all for you! It's all for you, Damien! And so, you know, like, the, the babysitter's like, and, and so the babysitter has also seen these gruesome yeah. fucking crime scene photos, and basically just... Which I felt Horrible. Oh my god, like, yeah. No, out of all the people, and then she's like, I'm kind of don't want to babysit. For oh, she just deuced out at that point, where it's just kind of like, you know what, I got yeah. I got shit to do. I don't, you know, I'm I want to never see either of you ever again because I've seen something I can't unsee now. Um, and there's a moment of tenderness that I really, really love between uh, the the between Bill and his wife, where they they um, you know she's yelling at him with like you know don't bring your home, you know, and he. This is a moment where I think a lot of worse shows would have them yelling at each other and slamming doors and being terrible. Um, but yep. he just, like, takes her, you know, he, he's sort of like, here, let me show you what I do all day. And, like, you know, goes and takes her into the back room and he just starts showing her all of these photos. And, like, this is the thing that I'm doing to try to keep people safe. I'm doing what I feel like I need to do. And he's, like, showing her this. And then she just hugs him and he's sobbing. And... Because I that was literally, I... Yeah. was so perfectly handled yeah i love it because like you said you would expect them yelling at each other well you shouldn't bring this in the house no look at the kid and look at the babysitter like yeah she like she sympathizes because it's like shit like i understand that you deal with all this but and, and she can see the chunk that it's taking it, out of it. yeah and it's and it's so, yeah it's like now i'm seeing what you have to go through and then it was a picture of that poor woman oh. assaulted and murdered and then it's like this is what like, I understand I fucked up here, but this is what I deal with every single minute of the day. So you just, you know, yep. and she under she understands it. Yeah. Yeah. And she and she gets it. And like, obviously, at season two, when their kid turns out to maybe to have been involved in, in the death of another kid, like, honestly, the disintegration of that relationship broke my fucking heart because. Oh, no, big time. Yeah. Because you because you want to believe that somebody in a relationship like this, that like you do unspeakable work all day, but you're with somebody who cares about you and, you know, you're in this together and you can. Yeah. You know. And 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 he was going from Atlanta, like back and forth, but he came back when he needed to be back. And he like he tried really hard to keep her like there. Yeah. And just to make sure, listen, we can we can figure this out. I understand this whole shit is not. <laughs> going where we wanted to go but we can keep this going it'll be fine we can do this yeah now and and then him coming home and then to a, an empty house yeah that hurt yeah that that sucked that sucked the fucking wind out of my sails dude like that was that was a lot although honestly i think one of my other favorite moments on the show that actually has nothing to do with murder but has everything to do with like boundaries to me um, there's a bit in season one where um, Holden has been doing uh, the program for a while and uh, he goes into a school to talk to a bunch of, for some reason, by the way, a bunch of kids about serial killers um, and sort of, you know, which I I don't know whose idea it was for like, take take your FBI agent to work day. Um, but he talks to these... Oh, with the, 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 the school kids? Yeah, yeah. And he's like trying to find like a PG way of describing these horrible, horrible crimes. Murders? Yeah, and, and so one of the teachers sort of, you know, after he gives the talk, you know, sort of motions over and they're like, hey, so we got a uh, we got a problem where the, the principal of the school, he's sort of universally beloved by a lot of people, but uh, yes. a lot of us are pretty fucked up by the fact that he does this thing where he pays the children to take their shoes off and let him tickle like, them. Tickle them? That skeeved me oh. out so It's bad. incredible. Like, it's it's so fucking uncomfortable that, like, and, and it's great because, you know, it, it's exploring the ambiguity of, like, you know, is Holden just applying, you know, is is, is he so steeped in murder and predation and... 
that he can just like try to pinpoint shit on people. Yeah, like, Haha, I know what you're doing here, and I know what you're doing there. Yeah, like is that the sole lens he has to see the world through anymore? And then the thing is, like this teacher, and you know they confront him about it, and he's like, "Bah, you can't, you know, how dare you question my methods?" And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like my my problem with with that dude, aside from like everything. Is like to start out with, like, okay, if if you have a kid who c- comes in with like a broken ankle and who claims to have a broken ankle, but you tickled a foot or whatever, like if you have a foot specific incident in which you tickled a kid's foot to get him to admit that his and foot then, wasn't hurt, whatever. And then giving them a nickel afterwards. Yeah, and then sort of okay, but if you start just doing that across the board with students all the time, that's weird. And what's also weird is when several teachers and parents have asked you to stop. Stop. And you have not stopped. Like that's like this is this is a a boundary issue on a few levels, but it's great because Holden asks Bill, who has a kid, like, well, okay, so what if this guy wanted to do that Did to this your kid? To your kid, yeah. And, and Tench is like, don't. Yeah, and and Tench sort of takes offense, right? Like he's like, I don't, you know, don't don't bring my fucking kid into this, and it's like. It it applies though, like if yeah, it does though. But what it like exactly like? Well, how would you feel if some principal was doing this to your kid and it's like, don't bring my kid into this? But see, there you go, don't bring my kid into this. So you would not have liked the fact that this dude's taking off your kid's shoes and tickling their feet. Yeah, and tickling their feet, and then also telling you, the parent, I'm going to do this, and there's nothing you can do about that. Like that's yes, like that's a huge red flag right there. You see what I mean? This is what I'm talking about. How like people don't know how to like label serial killers it's like right. if you if you haven't like back then they probably wouldn't not have thought about it but now that like they were processing more on how mm-hmm. to get these people and like see their patterns like now that they're seeing that people are actually doing something about these killings and like these weird um behaviors with people and like kids or adults and it's like i think that's why they spoke up with holden like hey yeah he's been tickling kids feet and it's been real weird, and he also gives them nickels or, like, bubble gum so they can just, like, you know, not say anything about it. And, the, and like, now they're picking up on, like, behaviors of, you know, yeah. really sick people doing shit before anything weird goes down. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what it is, is, like, the, you know, can you predict who is going to end up doing it? Now, it's, I, I, I consume a lot of true crime stuff. Um, and there's always a lot of stuff where sort of, you know, there, there are certain uh, signs early on in life that tend to correlate later on with, like, becoming a serial killer where it's like, you know, like... The, the, is it the three tropes? Yeah, there's uh, a traumatic childhood uh, head injury. There's uh, bedwetting. There's torturing animals. There's, like... And fire starting. Yeah, yeah, pyre, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, arson. Which I, I feel like arson... Is a word that always sounds so serious. Like there's. It does, but I just like setting shit on fire. Oh yeah, no, it's great. They all, I would call it arson. <laughs> Ars, arson. Yeah, no, it's like come on, man. I just, I just want, I just want to explode something. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, honestly, this show, I, I got it. Like I got to admit, I used to have like a knee jerk hate, or not even hate, but like a knee jerk sort of antipathy toward David Fincher, because I, um. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like I think that's everybody. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, yeah, it's like. A good thing comes out, and then it's like, eh, and then it's like, you don't know what it is. Like, there's moments like, all right, you're cool, and then it's like, I take it back. I don't yeah. Know about well, you I, anymore. you know what it is? It's like it's it's almost not even David Fincher's fault, but it's uh, the movie Fight Club and the fan base around Fight Club. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I I understand you completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah that like, but then I the problem was I I really really love the book Gone Girl, and I really like the movie adaptation. And I love, yeah, I haven't read the book, but I know the movie was oh, something. Man. It was great. It's so good. Um, and I, I realized, yeah. like, David Fincher, I think I used to dismiss him out of hand because I was like, oh, he's just being fucking edgelord and he's being, you know, like, oh, people are scum. But really? He cares. That's what I felt. I felt about that, too. Yeah, but that guy honestly cares so much about people and about the human condition and about, like, what matters. How do we salvage who we are when we're doing things we can't deal with? Like... Mindhunter has so much fucking heart. And, like, the fact that at yeah. the end of season one, when uh, Ed Kemper decides to flex on Holden and hug him, and Holden loses his shit, like, just breaks out of the hug. Like, a, fu- a full-on anxiety attack. Like, yeah. he wasn't realizing what was happening. Yeah, and it's... And it, and when I, when I was watching it, I looked over to my mom, like, he's having a panic attack. She goes, what? I'm like, he's having a panic attack. She goes, how do you know? I'm like, 
believe it or not, I've had <laughs> I've... three of those in the past couple of days. Yeah. She goes, what? I'm like, yeah, you get tunnel vision. You don't hear anything. You can't breathe. And you're just not, you're, you're not computing anything happening around yeah. you. Like that full, like, I, I, I'm not going to say the anxiety attack was my favorite thing. No. But it just, but... I like the fact that he just, that, that was his like realization, like, fuck. I've hit too far. Because, and, and this was after he'd already, like, flown too close to the fucking sun with, like, flouting the FBI's, you know, sort of trying to moderate what he's doing and, like, ignoring his yep. friends and just sort of, like, you know, letting his dick flop out on the table. Like, whatever, I'm James Holden. I talk to serial killers. Um, yeah. Now, and the other thing is, uh, years ago, I got to go to this thing called the Writer's Police Academy with my mom, which is, like... Uh, if you're a writer, you get to go and, like, sort of see how blood spatters work and... What? Yeah, yeah, it, it's dope as hell, dude. Like, you get to, you get to like, uh, uh, see how a car uh, can, like, crash into the into the fender of another car because it's, like, reinforced with steel. Like, it's, like, a, a days-long thing where you sort of, you know, if you write crime fiction, you get to kind of um, see how crime stuff happens. And there was a speaker um, the year that I went who she literally wrote the book on BTK and... Oh yeah, and and, 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 and I, yeah, and I went to a lecture that she did where she was talking about like, dude, she she plays uh, Scrabble online with BTK still. Like she, you know, and and what was incredible about the the, the lecture she gave was the fact that, um, and this is the thing that I kept thinking about while watching. What? And it's it's a lot, and and I, I kept thinking while watching Mindhunter about the fact that she was like, uh, you have to contrast what serial killers are telling you about themselves with what reality tells you about them because. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, because on the show, you know, because, you know, with BTK, for instance, who is sort of, I think, the big bad of Mindhunter. Yeah, I, it's, it's so funny because um, I love true crime. Like, yeah. True crime. I, I, I listened to last podcast on the left and like my favorite murder. That's like got me there. But then it's so funny because I there's some serial killers out there that I, I know their names, but I don't know much of. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend of mine that was like, you didn't recognize who that was. I'm like what and he goes the flat the like the random flashes of the show i'm like no and he was like that's the btk killer and i'm like what right and so i'm 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 i don't know if it's completely like true of what they'll they'll show about btk in the the next couple seasons or these um the two that are are out now mm-hmm. but like i'm slowly learning of like how fucked this guy is or well yeah it's like he's fucked but he's also i i kind of he's he's a huge scrub is the thing like dennis raider uh and and, and it, it's incredible because um the end of season one like you've been seeing flashes of this fucking creepo mustache guy uh all yeah. season and then at the very end it does a reveal which is it flashes the city that this is taking place in and it's in kansas and if you're a true crime ghoul you know like oh shit that's this is btk like the, there's nobody yeah. else this can be um, and what's now the, the, the lady who wrote the book about BTK, like you, BTK would say stuff like, you know, I leave nothing to chance. I am meticulous. Uh, I plan exhaustively. And then you compare that with what the facts are telling you about him, where it's like, yeah, there was this one lady that he just saw her and was like, oh, I think I'm going to try to abduct her. And then like went over to her house, her husband answered, her husband came to the door and he panicked and ran away. And it's like so many serial killers got away just from sheer fucking luck like so many killers just are incredibly sloppy um are you familiar with how btk got caught no oh fuck do you want to do you want to know please oh my god oh my god i i i I just love when serial killers get caught oh man you did something so fucking stupid and that's on you and it's so funny but yes dude dude i'm so excited to tell you about this so btk uh, he stopped killing in the early 90s and then nothing happened for like a decade and a half and uh, he, he managed to keep his nose clean and didn't do any more killing. He fantasized about it apparently, but he didn't do any killing. And then in 2004, in the local newspaper, they uh, somebody had written an article that was like, you know, a sort of retrospective on BTK and then at the end was like, you know, if BTK is, you know, BTK is either in jail or dead. Like there's no way BTK is still alive. And because BTK is the is the sloppiest bitch in Kansas, uh, got really slop the sloppiest bitch. Oh my god, he 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 got he got real head up about it, and he uh, you know sort of wrote in to the newspaper like evidence that he was BTK, like 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 information that only he would have, photos that he'd taken. Um, and oh my and God. he was and he was literally just like, what do I have to do to get some fucking fame around here? Like he was furious that this had happened. And so, um, oh my God, I shit you not. A, a detective gets in touch with BTK 
or BTK gets in touch with the detective, and, and BTK thinks that he's doing like a cat and mouse thing because he's uh, he, just deeply stupid. Like he's the dumbest boy in second grade, and he um, arranges a correspondence with this detective who um, he hands off a floppy disk uh, at a public location to the detective uh, th- that, like, you know, he, he he made the guy promise, like, you know, you can't trace me from this, uh, you know, like, you know, you have to, you know, promise me that there's no way that you could find out who I was from this. And the guy was like, okay, I promise. And then he looks at the information on the disk and was like, oh, this was from someone named Dennis Rader who uploaded this information at the church. What a dumbass! And and so he, they literally just found him because he forgot to, like, unformat the disk because it just literally said who this was. And so when they when they picked BTK up, he was really <laughs> upset that this cop lied to him. He was like, why did you lie to me? And the cop was like, I was trying Dude. to catch you? Because you're BTK? Oh my god! God. Yeah, so he was very upset that this cop would lie to him about that. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of want to do, like, a side series called uh, Scrubs of True Crime History, because there are so many true crime dudes that were just so, so dumb. I would love to join you on one of those days. Yeah, we should. If you ever do that, I'm right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We could do that as, like, a Patreon thing. Um, but, yeah, and so BTK, you know, I, although it's all, I, I love that this show also knows that BTK is the biggest scrub in the world. Yes. Because uh, at the beginning of season two, he's like doing an autoerotic asphyxia thing in the bathroom with a creepy like women's makeup doll mask. Ma- yeah, it it was like I guess like it was like a weird porcelain doll type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, and his his yeah. his wife opens that door and goes nope and just like fucking leaves. And you know he's like you want to know what the funny part was when I saw that I was like that's. Like, you know, sure, you get your rocks off off of uh-huh. that. But then I, I drew the line at the mask. No, that's that's exactly right. Like, listen, <laughs> if I walked in on someone, if they're, you know, autoerotic asphyxia, who gives a shit? Like, I mean, obviously. Like, I'm sorry, 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 I bothered you. I'll leave the room. Sorry, I'll, I'll be back later. Everybody's got their own shit. You know, like, if she had yeah. walked in on him and he'd just been, like, try, doing doing that, that would have been fine. But that plus the mask is, like, mask. Oh, nah, but, man. Uh, okay, homie, you gotta move out. <laughs> yeah, it. like that's I'm not, it. I'm not, I'm not sleeping next to you after this. Like I'm, no. uh, that's this is my permanent mental image of you forever. Yeah, all I can see is that mask and not your face anymore. We have the, the that's I, yeah, mm. yeah. And he like sort of tries to you know run after her when she runs from the house, and he's like, I was just goofing around, and it's like, and you know, he prints running all, in a nightgown. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, like BTK, God, such a scrub. He he wanted to be known as the poet strangler. Because I mean, he wrote shitty poems. Yeah, I think I read about one of the poems he did because um, he was trying to kill... Oh, I forgot her <coughs> name. He was trying to kill this girl, but she went home and realized her phone was... Um, her wire was cut and then left. Mm-hmm. And he goes, why didn't you show up? I was waiting for you, you know? Why didn't yeah. you come? I was like, huh, what? I sent you my murder... I, think, I sent you my yes. murder note. Please respond. Yes, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it's... Oh, my God. But, yeah, so... And, and BTK on the show, like, he... I, I love that you're getting to watch all this stuff. Like, he's he's printing off stuff at the library where it's just, yes. like... Yes, and uh, then the printer got stuck. I think that part had me, like, n- nervous in a way, like, this kid's gonna die. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, this kid's gonna... He's gonna get super killed. Um, but and he's like, can you get that for me? He's like, no. I was like, I have to do it. Just tell me what to do. And I'm like, bro. Well, and the BTK the logo... The BTK logo has titties boobies yeah he's got little nipples on the on the cap what are we doing like i love like what like I... It, it, I i love that it demystifies the like oh serial killers are brilliant yeah, and calculating like no yeah. he's, a, he's a cheesy little pervert who happens to kill people <laughs> yep and it's and i find it so funny like these serial killers issues they have such a huge ego uh-huh. that my favorite thing is just that it gets in the way and the way they get caught and it's like bro yeah, and they leave it on a and they leave it on a floppy disk, and then they're yep. really surprised when the cop is like, "Oh shit, Dennis Rader, okay." Oh, okay, cool. And it's like, bro, you stupid. You didn't erase this. Shit. <laughs> How do you think I'm not gonna get you? Like, it's oh, and they just man. they're just so enraged in their own like, well, well, they don't they don't take me seriously anymore. You right? Know what? And because it's just like, really? because they are so self obsessed that like it does not occur to them. But yeah, so so Mine Hunter, um, I feel like. I, a thing that I love about the show is that it doesn't. Gl- I'm all right. This, this is going to be a, a loaded word, but it, it doesn't glorify this shit. Like I feel like a lot of true no, crime. No, it stuff, doesn't. It does not. Yeah. It does not glorify it, and that's my. I think that's why I love this show so much. 
Yeah, and it's, it's and it's not I, like super judgy about like sort of people who consume true crime because I think there is that sort of weird that you that you watch true crime all right weirdo. yeah well because like, there is that it. there is that weird balance between like why you, why are you watching this shit like what it's like yeah it's because i always have to explain to people i'm not interested in the person doing these things i'm mm-hmm. just interested of why they did this well, how their minds are working and like I mean, what yeah. is the sole reason why are you doing this like that's my interest of true crime like how everything happened like why it happened i don't give a rat's ass about who's doing it right I'm just like why are you doing no it? i mean you're not hanging up tiger beat style posters of Absol- you know son of sam or whatever um because you're not a 13 year old on the internet in like 2002 writing love letters to dylan klebold and eric harris or something but I, it's you're i mean you're exactly right like it's it's looking at somebody who does things like that and like your brain trying to figure out like how the fuck do you get to a place where you can yeah, where you do like, a thing like did, that and like, how do you manage getting this high of a body count and nobody catching you? Yeah, and really, what you find out, the cops are just really bad at catching. Yeah. No, ca- no, seriously, because like when you think about it, like obviously my favorite thing is Ted Bundy, another ego, like, and him trying to be like, oh, oh yeah. I'm this cool shit, and it's like, bro, you're the dumbest motherfucker I've seen in my life. And Honestly, just, I get annoyed when people are like, you know, Ted Bundy was really attractive. Like, no, I feel like if you've ever known somebody. No, he wasn't. No, no. You look into those eyes and you're just like, oh, Jesus, something's not right like, there. Huh? Like, huh? Yeah. Back? No. So at number 69, nice, uh, is <laughs> nice. Hellraiser. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> is, all right, so my, which do you think is better, uh, Hellraiser or Mindhunter? That's kind of toughy. But like mm-hmm. it's a classic, so I'm gonna say Hellraiser. Yeah, I think I am too. I yeah, because like I love yeah, Mindhunter, yeah. but I yeah. You can't you can't you can't really put Mindhunter next to Hellraiser without being like, oh, Hellraiser kind of got this one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Let's see. Uh. So at number ninety four, we have Saw from two thousand four. I think I would put this above Saw. Oh, absolutely, absolutely above Saw. Yeah. Absolutely above. <clears throat> Because it's, I mean, because like Saw is kind of great for an like early two thousands ridiculous horror movie, but yes, yeah, yeah, this is like what do you what do you, what do you call it? Actually, good. Uh, all right, so <laughs> which which do you think is better, uh, Final Destination at number seventy nine or uh, Mindhunter? See, I could never stomach Final Destination, so I'm gonna say Mindhunter. There we go. Um, which is better, uh, Return of the Living Dead or Mindhunter? Ooh, wow, see? See, you can't just throw classics at me and then do this to me. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like, I got to tell you, I'm leaning toward Return of the Living Dead. I am too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, just below Return of the Living Dead at number 74, um, or, excuse me, at number 75 is uh, John Carpenter's They Live. Um, I think I got to go with Mindhunter above They Live. Because I just recently saw They Live. Nice. What, what's your what's your take time. on this? I, You know what it is? Mm-hmm. I, I like Roddy Piper. Sure. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, he's, he's it, fucking it great. Was, it was such a whole different thing I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's it's still fresh. And, and also that fight between Roddy Piper and Keith David is perfect. Oh, it's so good. So actually, going, you know what? Purely for the fight between Keith David and Roddy Piper, I'm going to um, put Mindhunter below They Live. However, at number 76 is Phantasm. And I think I'm going to draw the line there and say that Mindhunter is better than Phantasm. Yes. Because, because it, uh, what do you call it, makes sense in any way. And that, I think, puts it above Phantasm for me. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. So coming in at our new number 76 is seasons Eight. one and two of Mindhunter. Soldier 76? Sorry. Soldier 76. Oh, I'm playing so much fucking Overwatch. I also heard 76 in the Soldier 76 voice. Maria, thank <laughs> thank you so, so much for being on the show tonight. Um, thank where, you for having me. It was, this it was so exciting. It was uh, great. Where, um, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, they can find me, um, if I can remember how to say my my username. My username before used to be easier, but um, if you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, you know Shut the fuck up, Julie, is a good scene in that movie. But, um, the fuck is, uh, FK, and there's only one T, and shut the. So you can find me that in Julie. And, um, I have a podcast called One Batch, Two Batch, and you can find me there at 1B2B Podcast on Twitter. Hell yeah. Um, 
Rankin Vile listeners. You can find us at uh, rankinvile.com, rankinvile.podbean.com. We are on Twitter at rankinvilecast. We are on Instagram and Tumblr at just rankinvile. Uh, obviously, on this uh, episode, we weren't able to get to any requests, but if you have a movie that you want us to talk about, or rank, or insult, uh, you're going to want to send that to uh, rank, uh, either rankinvilecast at gmail.com or in the ask box on Tumblr. Uh, but barring that, that is about all I got. Have a good week, folks. Yes. Bye.